0: And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family, and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities, or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com all of it spelled out just gmail.com Alamo alamofirstbaptist we look forward this morning to worshiping with you we pray god's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together let's go ring that bell for jesus
1: From the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the. Thank you.
0: It's good to see you this morning, glad that you're here with us this morning, glad that you're with us online. Just a couple of quick announcements, uh, particularly for the youth. Youth, you're going to be at the Holy Fields Wednesday night, right, 6.30, uh, fellowship over there? Pizza, bag of chips, and swimming, and is that what they're doing? All right. And then next Saturday, they're going canoeing, correct? Going to go canoeing, got to be here at 7.30 a.m., uh, and the parents and youth strongly encouraged to, to, to go and be a part of that. Uh, now, what's it like, $38 a canoe, so... They need to bring their lunch, and they need to let me know they're coming. So, so bring your lunch, bring your lunch, and let Brian know if you're going to be going. Everybody, everybody's bringing their own vehicle. Oh, and everybody's driving their own vehicle. So anyway, any questions on the canoe trip, just uh, yell at Brian. He'll, he'll get you squared away. Uh, again, for those online, if uh, you need to send in your offering, don't forget you can do that, P.O. Box 241, Alamo, Tennessee. Easiest way, of course, to do that is to give online. Uh, AlamoFirstBaptist.com. Just go to e-giving. You can do it there. Call us, drop it off. We'll help you get that in. But uh, continue to be in prayer as uh, we're going through this time. I think the uptick in the COVID has uh, uh, hit... Uh, pretty strong and in, in a lot of areas, a lot of, of the hospitals are full, a lot of ICUs are full. I know Kaylee was telling us uh, that down in Jackson, Mississippi, that they actually were, their hospital was on Good Morning America the other day because their ICU is overflowing. And uh, so I know that we want to be safe and we want to be careful and we want to continue to pray for a uh, cure and vaccine that hopefully we can get back to our normalcy of of life. But let's open up with a word of prayer and give God thanks for today and the blessings of life that we have. Father, we thank you today that we're able to be together, that we're able to assemble. And Lord, even though we've got a distance from each other and take some precautions, Lord, we are thankful that uh, we know that all these things are in your hand and that you are the God over these things and that in this, God, you're doing a work uh, that needs to be done. We just trust and believe in that Lord we do pray for healing we pray Lord for a cure we pray that uh, we can get back to a normalcy of life in particular uh, God so we can really interact with people and that way we can lead people to to you Jesus and uh, and help them uh, come to know your saving grace and and that good news of salvation. We uh, thank you for the blessings of this week, the beautiful weather we've had. We pray for our youth as they're going to be having activities uh, this week to keep them safe and to watch over them. Lord, we pray for the offering that comes in and has been coming in and is being given today, all the things that uh, go to the kingdom work that honor and glorify you. Lord, be with us as we worship today. Uh, Draw us close to you uh, as we uh, know that, Jesus, you will draw close to us as your word promises. In your name we pray, amen.
2: Amen. Won't you stand with me as we continue to worship together. If at any point you need to sit down, just have yourself a seat, okay?
1: Gets Explo- Every song we could ever sing Worthy Worthy of it.
2: having you that we will never be shaken uh, Lord the this world it, your word says that the world's going to get worse before it gets better for us as Christians and I pray that you would help us to, to just remember that just as the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians that one day every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord there's no one above you there's no one beside you there's no one even near you and we just thank you that we can be called the children of God and that we know that one day We'll see you, Lord, and we'll be able to sing, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is our Lord and our King. And we thank you for that promise that we have in Christ Jesus today. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, phrase team. Take your Bible this morning, and you can open to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, and I want to look at verses 1 through 7 in just a moment with you. And I want to think with you this morning on this topic, evil, a four-letter word. April the 13th, 1970, 1008 Eastern Standard Time, Kennedy Space Center in Texas, words that would forever stick in the lexicon of American history, eerily cracked through the radio and the silence that had been, and the words were these. Houston, we have a problem. It was day three of Apollo 13's mission to the moon and there had been a catastrophic explosion that had crippled the space shuttle and within a few seconds, the American space program had gone from comfort to crisis. In much of the same way, creation, had gone from comfort to crisis in the blink of an eye. In a moment of giving in to temptation and sin, Adam and Eve had sent our world into a crisis. This new world, this perfect world that God had made now knew a new word, a four-letter word called evil. And with the entrance of that little word, The basis for a strong argument against God would now exist. The argument would go something like this. If God is absolutely good, then why is there evil? Or if God is absolutely sovereign and almighty, then why is there evil? Last week we started... A new series, I still don't know exactly how far or how long we'll be in this particular series. We're going to keep going until we, I guess, run out of questions. It's called the God questions. That is the tough questions about God and our faith and, and life in general. And last week we asked the, the toughest question. We said the, the question that had more writing on it than any other question that we could ask, and it was, is God real? And we looked last week at that subject and we did it a little bit out of the box. We, we didn't do it from what we call an exegetical uh, framework where we went into the Word of God and maybe took a passage or a section and then broke out what God said about it. But we we looked at it from a philosophical and logical reasoning because that's where the argument is today and that's where the argument is made to Christians today and And that's where we as Christians tend to want to retreat. And I said last week, and i say it again, as Christians, we don't have to retreat when someone asks us, uh, do we really believe in God? Because we win all the arguments, not just the biblical arguments, but the logical and and, uh, 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 philosophical philosophical arguments that uh, this world would make. And we're sort of going to kind of be there again today, and perhaps in some of these other messages as well, outside of the box because that's where the world comes at us. And we said last week the one area in which the world kind of gets its foot in on us or gets a toe in on us as far as Christians and and are not understanding or knowing how to respond is in this subject of evil. And so I want to think with you today, evil, a four-letter word. We see the first time that the word evil is mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned in Genesis 2 and verse 17. God says to uh, Adam and Eve, You can eat of every tree in the garden, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we see evil showing up again. And what we're going to say this morning about evil, actually entering the world in Genesis 3. And I want to read that section with you, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent, and we know who the serpent is. The Bible says that uh, that's the devil. Uh, It mentions that uh, he is that serpent in other places. Now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Underscore that. God had made the serpent. God had made uh, this creature that uh, is going to trip up man. And he said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall, eat, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the uh, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, and neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now the serpent put a doubt in the woman's mind, in Eve's mind. And Eve actually adds to what God had originally told them. And so you can see things are beginning to kind of get off uh, kilter before we even get to the fall. But the serpent then says to the woman, you shall not surely die. And it, This is the first lie of the Bible. This is the first lie that is given uh, in the Word of God. And, he, and then he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. That's kind of a half lie right there, that you'll be like God. And then listen to what he says. Knowing good and evil. Underscore underscore that word knowing. It will be a, a very important word. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, And now notice, they knew. They go from knowing to knowing. Not just knowing in concept, but knowing in experience. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth. I want to just say this morning every worldview that we would talk about or look at, be it Christian or some other faith or some other belief, has a problem with this word evil that we're going to talk about. But it is especially an acute problem for Christians. And in particular, those who hold to the belief of what we're going to call theism. Now that's a word that's probably not used very much with you. And so uh, I want you to understand what we're talking about when we use the word theism. Because we're going to talk about it quite a bit today. Theism is the belief in one God as creator of the universe. It is the God who is an intervening God in that universe and the sustaining God who seeks a personal relationship with his creatures. In other words, folks, that's us. That's the faith that we have. We have a theistic faith in one God. And, of course, we say that God is the God we read about in the Bible. Now, when you think about religions or when you think about God's, the way the world looks at God's, there are really three major worldviews. Atheism, and we looked at it last week, we talked about it. Atheism affirms the reality of evil and denies the reality of God. In other words, atheism says, well, evil is real, it's in the world, but there's no God. Another form of belief or worldview in terms of God is what is called pantheism pantheism affirms the reality of god but denies the reality of evil pantheism basically we'll talk about a little bit says that god is everywhere in and everything everything in and of itself is god in essence but it says evil is just an illusion in mind theism that's what we believe affirms both the reality of God and the reality of evil. And therein lies the problem for the theist, for, the, for those who hold to theism. And here's the question. How can an absolutely good being, that is God, be compatible with evil that is the opposite of good? Now when you compare those Uh, understandings of uh, God, and you put those to four other distinct worldviews, you can begin to see where Christians and theists have problems, are found at a disadvantage. Because you see, there are those that would hold this view. Uh, It's called uh, finite godism. Uh, That is, God is uh, finite, not infinite. It's similar to theism. It believes, but it differs in the claim that while God desires to destroy evil, he is simply unable to destroy evil because he's limited in power. That's finite godism. In other words, God wants to get rid of evil, but he just can't do it because he's not strong enough. Deism is a belief in which God is distanced, he's uh, removed from evil. Uh, He's removed from being stressed about evil. Uh, He's not really supernatural, uh, but he's just sort of out there somewhere. Basically, deism says you and I are on our own. God created the world, and he's just let it kind of run how it wants to run. Pantheism, which we uh, mentioned earlier, holds the view that the world is neither identical to God or... An expression of God's nature. But it's God is in everything. And uh, he is in everywhere. Now with pantheism. You have God is in everything. And God is uh, everywhere. So the belief is evil is a necessary part of the ongoing process. Of the interaction of God in his world. So in other words evil itself is just a part of God. That is the pantheist. view, Theism, that's us again, it is the belief that God exists as God, he is the one creator of the universe, he intervenes in it, and he sustains that uh, relationship with his creation and his uh, his creatures. So the problem is, God, if you are all powerful, why don't you do something about evil? The idea is, well, he could destroy it and he should destroy it. So why hasn't he? You take this theistic God, all-knowing God that we worship, and furthermore, the Bible tells us he's aware of evil. He knows about evil in so much that he knows evil in that it's sin. So why then doesn't God do something about evil? Plus, when you read creation and you read how God uh, brought this world into uh, to existence you realize that God foreknew all of these things how could God choose to create a world freely when he could have otherwise done something differently in that he could have created a world that had no evil so what I want you to see from all of that and I know that's uh, A LOT OF DEEP STUFF ABOUT DIFFERENT GODS AND DIFFERENT worldviews. WHAT I WANT YOU TO SEE IS THAT THERE IS A MAJOR TENSION FOR BIBLE-BELIEVING, GOD-BELIEVING CHRISTIANS. THOSE OF US WHO HOLD THE ONE GOD, THE ONE GOD OF THE BIBLE, THERE IS TENSION AT PLAY. AND WHEN WE COME TO THE PROBLEM OF EVIL, IT BECOMES A SERIOUS CHALLENGE TO DEFEND OUR CHRISTIAN FAITH. THERE'S ACTUALLY FOUR MAJOR PROBLEMS, AND THIS IS WHAT WE'RE GOING TO BE LOOKING AT TODAY. What is the origin of evil? Where did it come from? What is the nature of evil? What is the purpose of evil? And then how do we avoid evil? What is the avoidance of evil? Now, these problems can be divided along two lines, moral issues and metaphysical issues. Moral issues, you know what those are. Those are that's just simply what's right and what's wrong. All right? That's easy enough, right? Is it right or wrong to kill someone? It's wrong. That's a moral issue. That's a moral imperative. Metaphysical uh, is a big word. It simply means the idea of or the doctrine or the conjecture of a reality. In other words, think about philosophy for a moment. What does it really mean to be a good and decent human being? that's the idea of a metaphysical issue so when you're talking about evil the problems come in two areas a moral area and then that metaphysical area where it goes just beyond something that's concrete and and real that we can touch it's even in the in the idea of it it's in the conception of it Uh, it's in the deeper thought of it now basically there are two types of evil You're going to read about moral evils. We just talked about that, for example, to kill someone. But there's another kind of evil in the Bible. And it's natural evils. uh, A natural disaster. Uh, We see where a tsunami has uh, hit. Or we see where a hurricane has hit. Or a tornado has hit. And there's destruction and death. You see where a pandemic. Has, has come. As such, what we're living in now, and uh, I was looking today, I think they said there was 5,000 new deaths in uh, Florida, or Florida hit 5,000 deaths total. Um, that's a natural disaster. That's an evil. L. Eric uh, Millard said this, it is one thing to understand what evil is. It is an entirely different thing to understand how such evil may be viewed in a world that's created by God. Think about it. If God made no claims to being good, if God never said that he is a good God, then the existence of evil would be easier explained and easier to accept, wouldn't it? But yet God does say what? He is good. The Bible does say that our God is a good God, a holy God, a perfect God. But there it is. So there's the question today. Is our God limited in power? Can he not do anything about evil? Is God really good and loving? Is God some cruel, unmoral monster? In other words, has he created this world and let it just run amok and go uh, off the tracks and just sitting back now and enjoying the mess that we're in now god is god really the moral god of the bible that we look at how are we to answer those questions we've made a commitment to biblical theism we've made a commitment to the god of heaven and the god of the bible the one god who created this world who created a perfect world and is involved in it and wants a relationship with us On the basis of what the Bible teaches, unequivocally and repeatedly, we as Christians believe that there is one living God, the creator of the whole universe, who is a personal, good, loving, omnipotent, and sovereign God over all that happens. So how do we answer those four questions? Well, let's look at those real quickly. Number one, let's think about the origin of evil. And I want to just kind of break this thought down with you in this, what we know from the Bible and what we don't know from the Bible. And we've already read something that we know. As a matter of of fact, God says that this tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, when you eat of it, you will know good and evil. And there in Genesis 3, what we have a picture of is the entrance of evil into this world. Now, what the Bible does not really tell us is the origin of evil. Where it came from and how it came into existence. Now... God, of course, is the God who is the God who created all things. There's nothing that exists that is not a created something of God. But evil is not like some things that we think of in terms of things. Uh, for example, I can look at this pulpit and I can say it's made of wood. All right. But I also can look at this pulpit and I can say conceptually uh, it is uh, strong and sturdy, all right? I can can look at it and I can say that it it would hold my Bible and it would hold the iPad that that I've had my notes on. I I can look at it and I can say conceptually it would be good to speak from, right? That's a conceptual thing. In other words, there are things that God has created in our world that carries with them certain certain connotations. Uh, For example, uh, you may have a coin in your pocket. Now, how many sides are there to that coin? There's two sides, right? might be a, a, a side on it that we call heads. It has a picture of a head. And the other side may be, be a side we call tails and has a picture of something else. Could be, you know, almost anything depending on the coin, right? Heads or tails. When God created this world, he created good. But for there to be good, there also has to be what? Bad. God created the conception the, the idea of evil. Uh, we may not know what evil really is as far as how it got started. But we know that evil is real. In many ways, according to the Bible, evil is a mystery. And I think God intends it to be that way. God doesn't explain to Adam and Eve. He doesn't give it uh, to be written down to Moses for us here in Genesis uh, or any other place in the Bible. To say, okay, this is how evil got started and this is where it uh, originally came from. It's not given to us. Now, simply not knowing is not a terrible thing. God in his sovereign decision, in his prerogative has decided, since he's the source of all truth, that he's going to tell us some things about our world and some things he's not going to tell us. Let me, let me ask you, as parents, do you do that? Sure you do. Do you tell your children everything? I dare say there are some things you don't tell your children because, well, you know, it's just not for them to know. It may be for their protection. It may be for their, their good. It may be for their comfort. God is no different with us. There are some things that God has told us about And there are some things that God does not fully explain. And evil is a mystery. Now, not all evil is a mystery. Because some evil we understand. Some evil we know why it's here. Because what? We sin. Our sin gives birth to evil. Uh, Our rebellion opened the door to evil. Once that door was opened, evil just explodes into the biblical narrative. The good good picture uh, that that is shown here in uh, Genesis is just what? Destroyed in that one little act of evil coming into our world. When Adam and Eve come in uh, and eat of that fruit that God said don't eat of, then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose literally in their life and on earth. And they know they're going to die. They find out they're going to die. They're uh, they're destined to die. And and the world is thrown into chaos. It's a good example of what happens in our life when we let evil in as well. We do know, for example, Satan was a created angel. His original name, Lucifer, uh, the angel uh, of light. We know the fallen uh, uh, angels... DEMONS uh, ARE LINKED TO SATAN. THEY'RE LINKED TO GOD AND BEING IN HEAVEN. WE KNOW ABOUT THE REBELLION. THE BIBLE TELLS US ABOUT THAT. BUT LET ME SAY that, THAT THE WORD OF GOD SAYS SOMETHING ABOUT US THAT IT DOES NOT SAY ABOUT THE ANGELS, ABOUT SATAN, OR ANY OTHER CREATED BEING THAT GOD HAS CREATED. AND THAT IS THAT YOU AND I ARE MADE UNIQUELY IN THE IMAGE OF GOD. We were created to be like God. You remember I said Satan told Eve a half-truth? He said, now in the day that you eat of the fruit, what? You will be like God. Well, guess what? That wasn't necessarily a lie because she was made in the image of God by God himself. It was a lie in the sense that in that moment she wasn't like God. No, she was like God. But what he was saying is, you can be fully like God. Now, that was a lie, of course, because Eve and Adam were never going to be God. They would be creatures in the image of God. And that was the whole temptation. You see, to be an, a, a, a creature in the image of God means to reflect God, to reflect His character, to exercise God's authority within creation. You see, that's why Satan came. And TEMPTED EVE uh, uh, SATAN WANTED TO REMOVE THAT REFLECTION TO MAR THAT BEAUTY TO DESTROY THAT CHARACTER THAT WAS IN THIS WORLD AND SO WHEN YOU LOOK AT THE BIBLE YOU DON'T REALLY SEE A LOT OF QUESTIONS ABOUT WELL WHERE DID EVIL COME FROM THE BIBLE SIMPLY ACKNOWLEDGES THAT EVIL ENTERED THE WORLD IT CAME BY WAY OF TEMPTATION It entered and it exploded on the pages of the biblical narrative. And when you do look in the Bible and people are talking about evil, particularly in the Old Testament, they tend to ask the question, how long rather than why? How long, O God, will this endure? How long, O God, will this be? Rather than why God, why God? Now today there is a difference. Today people tend to ask why why and they uh, use that to seek to deny god but i want you to understand that when the origin of evil is brought up you don't have to run and hide you don't have to feel like well i can't answer that question so i'm going to just uh you know be like a turtle and go back in my shell and hope no one knocks on the door and asks me about god in any way just understand it, there is a mystery to it. The Bible tells about its entrance into the world. The full origin of it is not something we totally understand. But what we do know is that God is a good and gracious God uh, uh, and, and a perfect creator. A second thing that is important is what we call the offense of evil, uh, the nature of evil. Accepting the mystery of evil in the Bible is one thing. For the Bible has an entirely different message about our response. It doesn't matter whether it's moral or natural. The Bible speaks to evil. Now the world speaks to evil. Matter of fact, there are faiths out there that speak to evil. Let me give you a few different worldviews so you can understand that. The Buddhists say, for example, the present world is an illusion and that the aim of human life is just simply to escape it. And that's why they meditate and they do a lot of that. They, they want to uh, get away out of their mind, out of the, 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 the presence of evil and uh, just kind of escape it in some kind of other reality. The Hindu says that evil uh, that afflicts people also Inflicts animals, and in the present life they are to be uh, explained in terms of wrongs committed in a previous life and atoned through through obedient falling of one's present karma experience. In other words, if you weren't a real good person in your past life, you're probably going to come back like a chicken. All right, you know, you're going to come back as a cow. That's one reason they don't eat cows and stuff. The Marxist, and let me say that this is a major movement today in the, in the United States, folks, socialist Marxism. They say that the world is moving in a determined way towards the dictatorship of the proletariat, that is the working class. And the problem on the way, not at least the absolute need for violent revolutions, are the growing pains with which all will be justified in the final end of things. Their slogan is that the glorious end will validate the messy means to that end. Easiest way to understand it is this. You can't have an omelet unless you break some eggs. And the Marxists are all about a revolution, folks. They're about turning society upside down and inside out and tearing it apart. Because they believe out of that revolution will come a better way. The Muslim says that the world is in a state of wickedness because of the message of Allah through Muhammad is not yet spread to all people. And the solution is for Islam to be brought to the world. And that there's those that would say that needs to be done peaceably, but there's also a minority. It's a big minority that says that it ought to be achieved through a jihad, a holy war. And so today that is part of what's playing out in our world. As Christians, though, our belief grows out of Jewish roots. It's that God is the God who made, who made this world and who remains passionate and compassionately involved in this world. And so that's what you and I believe. Do you see how different the Christian belief is from all the other different beliefs that are going on, the major beliefs of this world? So that's why as Christians, we clash. We see the world, the world different today. And it comes out in our politics. It comes out in our uh, social uh, uh, interactions with each other. It it comes out in our wants and our desires for our children. And that's where our world is at today in this chaotic mix. And Christians need to understand what evil is, what the Bible says about evil, and what God's going to do about it. I want you to think not only about the nature of evil, but the necessities of overcoming evil. That's the challenge for Christians. How can we understand and celebrate the goodness of God and his goodness is a uh, God-given creator at the same time then take serious the reality of evil? If we're to be part of uh, of the solution to evil in our world, Friend, we cannot water down the truth. One of the problems our world is facing today with evil is that too many pulpits have thrown out the word of God and no longer say, thus says the Lord. Too many pulpits today have, have, have gone along with what the world says is, is, is acceptable or right. And dear friend, there are some things that you and I may not understand in our world as to why they are sin. Only in the fact that God says they're sin, and I want to tell you, God gets to call the shots because He's God. It's not in my notes, but one of the things that I was reading this this week, and it made a lot of sense to me after I read it and not thought about it. For example, the Canaanites. I mean, you ever thought about the Canaanites? Those poor folks in the Bible. Were basically wiped out God told the Hebrew people go into Cana and wipe them out wipe them out now you need to understand that God also dealt for a long time in grace with the Canaanites there were some 400 years in which they had an opportunity to be a better people and turn to God in, in which they rejected and the question is well how can God be a good God and order for men, women, boys, and girls to be killed when his word says, thou shalt not kill. Has God not violated his his own word? You and I need to understand something. You and I are under the word of God, but God is not under the word of God. God is the word giver. God is the law giver. He's not held by his own law because he's God. And if God deems someone worthy to die or needs to die or chooses someone to die, guess what? He's not guilty of any sin. Because there's no law greater than God. There's no one that can say, oh, wait wait a minute. You cannot do that. But you see, it's different with us. There is a God. And that God has given his law. And that God has said... Thou shalt not. And dear friend, there are many things going on in our society today where God has said, Thou shalt not. And I want you to understand, He gets the right to say it because He is the lawgiver. And it's not for our debate. It's for our obedience. Now let me say this. God wants you and I to be part of solving evil in the world. And that is to speak the truth in love. Now, I will say this. Evil is a truth. Evil is a truth to be known. Evil is a truth to be exposed. Moral evil is bad. Sin is bad. How bad is it? Well, let me say to you, once it was so bad that God was sorry that he made the world. The flood is a sign that even God, the creator, was at one point sorry that he had made this place. And had it not been for Noah, one righteous man, earth and life on earth would have been totally wiped out. Now, the good news is Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know that the Bible says that's the first time grace is mentioned? God giving us, well, listen, not what we deserve, but God giving us more than we deserve. Forgiveness in life. And that's the good news. So here's the big takeaway. Evil may be a four-letter word, but dear friend, love is also a four-letter word, and it's a much bigger word. And so there is an offense to evil, and we're to speak to that. But there's also an opportunity from evil. There's a purpose to evil. When our son played baseball, and he was taking some private coaching lessons, Uh, I'll never forget one of his coaches said to him, Will, every pitch is telling you something about the game. You need to stay focused. Every pitch is telling you about the pitcher or the hitter. And, And if you're a good baseball player, you stay focused. Well, let me say something to you. Every day, life is teaching you and I something. It's telling us something about ourselves. It's telling us something about God. And we need to stay focused. And let me just say that God could have created a world where there was no evil, but He didn't. As a matter of fact, there are only four possibilities of the type of world that God could have uh, created as it relates to evil. Let me give you those four possibilities. Number one, God could have created nothing. Think about it. I mean, He didn't have to make a world. If God had not created anything, could anybody blame Him for anything? Would there ever have been evil? No. Would have been what? Nothing. Nothing is nothing. God could have created a world where there's no such thing as good or evil, an amoral world. When God created good, the understanding that, well, where there's good, there's also evil. You can't have good without evil. You can't have evil without there being a good. Or think about this a standard. I'll give you another way of understanding that. A ruler. Now you can put whatever lines you want on that ruler, but a ruler is a measuring stick, isn't it? You can put 12 inches on there. You can put, you can put lines and say that's 24 inches. But whatever, whenever you put a standard out, all of a sudden that becomes a measuring stick. When God created good, The measuring of what is evil had become a possibility. God could have created a world where there was no measuring stick, such as good and evil, an amoral world. Number three, God could have created a world where there was just a program to only do good. In other words, you and I would only be robots. We would only do good and never evil. Or God could have created the fourth thing, and this is what he did create, He could have created a world like the one we live in, a world where there is the possibility for good and evil. And folks, this is the only world in which God could create, in which you and I could know and share. Remember that four-letter word? Love. There's no love in a world of nothing. There's no love in a world that's amoral where good and evil doesn't exist. And there's no love in a world where you and I are robots and we do what we've been programmed to do and what we're not free to do. The only way God could let you and I experience love, the only way that you and I could know his love, and the only way that we could love God back was for there to be the possibility for evil. Our inability to discern why bad things sometimes happen to us does not disprove God's benevolence. It is merely and exposes our ignorance. I like what Norman Geisler says about that. Because you and I don't understand it doesn't mean that God isn't a good God and a loving God. It just simply means you and I are ignorant. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. There's just some things we don't know because we're not God and we don't have the mind of God. As Christians we believe that God will bring about an ultimate solution to evil. But while that we await that. It's somewhere out in the future. We know God is taking steps right now. To ensure that evil doesn't utterly run amok. I mean the world has had has some bad times. It's chaotic today. Think about how the world was. When there was a world war going on. Some of you are old enough to have lived through that. Think about how horrible the world was in a great depression. Think about how horrible the world it was when, when the, the black uh, uh, plague and death was running rampant and millions upon millions were dying and they didn't know how to stop it. God has, has put buffers in this world, barriers in this world to just, Completely let this world get off the tracks. You know, the old saying is uh, we worry about who has the, the, the power to push the button for nuclear war. Dear friend, God's finger's on that button, not man's. As Christians, we don't claim that this world is the best of all possible worlds, but what we do say is that it is the best way to all possible best worlds. In other words, you can't get to heaven on earth until you go through this period of hell on earth. And that's what God has created, a place where we can be free and where we can choose freely to love him or not, to accept him or not. A place where God has made evil possible and it's a place where he's involved. God didn't stay in heaven. God didn't stay distant. God wasn't sitting back in some kind of Uh, immoral uh, monstrous role laughing at our suffering he came and got involved in what was happening in this world so much so that he was born as a as a man he lived in 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 poverty the bible says jesus didn't have anywhere to even lay his head he didn't he didn't he didn't have when he died all he had was the clothes on his back And then when he did die, he died in the most horrible, agonizing, and cruel way that man has ever done. Why? Because God was doing a work to defeat evil. And friend, evil tells us that God just isn't finished yet. There's an opportunity from evil. And finally, we must overcome evil, the avoidance evil. Our God has given us a great gift in the freedom to choose him jb phillips said it this way evil is inherent in the risky gift of free will i mentioned norman geisler he said this "Force love is rape and god is not a divine rapist he will not do anything to force our decision to love him our salvation is a divine miracle and people get caught up today in trying to go to one extreme or the other. There are those today that say, "Well, salvation is all man." Uh, 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 had in other words it must be faith that a man has or a woman has uh, uh, they must choose freely to open their heart to God and then there are those on the other side that say well salvation comes from God and he's elected and predestined people and he foreknew this one and that one uh, he's all sovereign and man doesn't really have anything to do with it at all I'm going to tell you what it is it's both of those things you say well they don't go together I, I understand that but that's the miracle that takes place. At no time did God violate our free choice to choose to love him. But at no time have we taken God off the throne and removed his sovereignty. He brought those two things together in his son, Jesus Christ, on the death of that cross. And in his covenant promise that he is, he is working in this world and he is making salvation happen in a way that we can't even explain or understand, he's bringing an end to evil in this world. No evil is good, but some evil has good in it. Birth pains are painful, but they bring about a good purpose. We celebrated yesterday with Christian and Blake. I'd just got off the donut card to them. She told me she had about three weeks. Uh, uh, to go and she texts me uh, Friday afternoon she said I got the card in the mail we can't wait we're about three weeks away and I got the word yesterday guess what we're at the hospital he's coming birth pains told her it was time for the baby to come we're in a world that, that is having birth pains folks and it's telling us that the king of kings is coming again that the lord of lords is coming again our, omnimin- our, our, our omnibenevolent God has a good purpose for everything, even when we can't see it, even when there's much evil in this world. Maybe you've never heard of the name Annie Johnson Flint. She's an old-time Baptist lived back years ago. She's an interesting read. Her life story is fascinating. She lost her parents as a young child, she and her sister. She went to live with foster parents, adopted parents, and lost them at a young age. Almost one after another, heartbreak happened in her life, and basically, in her later 20s, she finds herself in a a, a sanitarium, basically an invalid, can't walk, can't care for herself, and and she's living every day in agony but her faith never failed her she never let go of god and she wrote some of the most inspirational poetry that that we've ever known one of the poems maybe you've heard he giveth more grace he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater he sendeth more strength when the labors increase to added affliction he addeth his mercy to multiply trials he has multiplied peace when we've exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limits, His grace has no measure, His power no boundary uh, known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth, He giveth, and giveth again. Evil is a four-letter word. And we may not fully understand it. Why we have to go through it. Why we have to face it. Why we may suffer under it. But I will remind you that God did the same thing. When he came. And he walked this earth. And we spoke to him. By the name of Jesus. And Jesus said yes. There's evil, but there's also love. And that's what I and the Father have to offer you, is love. This is not the best of all worlds right now, but I do believe that it is the best way to the most best of all worlds when there is heaven on earth and there is no more sorrow, sin, or suffering. Where evil is no more, and all is good in our God. Heavenly Father, this morning we might be wrestling with evil. It may be in our personal story, in our own faith, in our experience, in our relationship with you. Lord, maybe someone is here today, someone listening online that says, I have felt so lost in this world that is just so evil And I felt so alone. And the recognition is that that God today, it's because there is no heart that's been born anew. No new birth that has trusted in you, Jesus. And perhaps someone listening, someone watching, someone here today says, I want Jesus for you to be my Lord and Savior. I know that you are good. And I know that you love me. And I know that if evil is to be solved and removed, it starts in that forgiving relationship that comes only by faith in you, Jesus. Lord, perhaps someone is a child of God and says, I, I'm just not where I need to be and needs to make a recommitment to you. Lord, there may be other decisions that need to be made. A move of letter, a connection to a church. Lord, whatever your will be done, our faith says this morning that you are good and holy and loving. And in you, Heavenly Father, we put our faith. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. The Lord spoken. You come. You come. prayer this week as we get ready for next week uh just an insight for next week we're going to answer the question how can a good and loving God send people to hell and uh, the whole question uh, about hell uh, how can God do that uh, uh, if he is really loving it's a tough question and one that we want to answer God bless you today I love you let's close in a word of prayer Heavenly Father thank you for this morning again for the opportunity to look even at a tough question of evil and we don't have all the answers but god we know you do and nothing's taken you by surprise and nothing has slipped out of your hand and and lord you've not lost control in any way and lord we may not understand why evil uh, exists in the way that it does in this world and 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 hits us but we know you love us and lord our faith is going to rest on that and lord we just pray that we can be light in a dark world that we can, Lord, just take the the assurance of our faith in your word, uh, in the logic that we we think about it and put it together and share the good news that one might come to know you, Jesus, and trust you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for today and blessing us and loving us. In your name, Jesus, we pray.